0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod Podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host,
1: Adam Taylor.
2: What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. If you noticed, there wasn't an episode on Wednesday. Why? Because we knew this was going to be an important game, we knew it was going to be a highly charged, impactful game. We got everything we wanted. As usual, what we've started doing now when there is a game that we can all get to react the next day, we're myself, Greg, Will, the three-man weave doing a crossover podcast. So this will be up on the Celtics blog feed, but will also be up on the 617 feed for the Green with Envy, guys. Just so everybody knows, before we get into all of our usual how we're feeling, what's going on, how we're living, Will has a segment he does for the 617 and... I like the idea of running it here when we do these
0: crossovers. So I'm going to allow Will to take it away with your morning box score. Let's get into it. Appreciate the setup, Adam. Let's hop into it. For those of you that are not familiar, this is from Greg and I show over on the 617. This is a callback to our childhood where we used to get together before school, pop open some Frosted Flakes, take the globe exchange the box score back and forth. So let's kick it off. Make sure we just reset where we're going to be talking about today. Celtics, 110, Warriors, 88. Big, big win on the road. Let's start with a quick couple high-level numbers for the Warriors real quick. Jordan Poole, 10 of 20 from the field, 6 of 13 from 3. He had 29 points. He was really big in the second half, and given the Warriors any type of chance. Klay Thompson, 8 of 24, 1 of 11 from 3, 18 points for him. Of course, Steph Curry left in the – later part of the second quarter, only played just under 14 minutes. One and four from him, three points. We're going to get all into how the Celtics affected the Warriors' night because some of their stats are, let's just say, a little ugly. Let's go to the good guys. Let's go over to the Celtics here. Jason Tatum, 6 of 16, 3 of 8 from 3. He finishes with 26 points, 12 rebounds, and 4 assists. Jalen Brown, 9 of 21 on the night, 2 of 8 from 3, 6 of 7 from the line. He had 26 points to go along with 7 rebounds and 3 assists. Rob Williams had a great night on the defensive end. 9 rebounds, 4 blocks, 8 points to go along with it. And then I think really probably the MVP of the game was Marcus Smart. 20 points for him, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, 4 of 7 from 3, 8 of 12 from the field overall. And then obviously, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the Celtics defense on this podcast. Celtics hold the the Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, to 22.9 shooting on threes. Overall, 37, just over 37% from the field. Case closed, big 110-88 road W. So how you guys doing today?
1: <laughs> I'm feeling good, especially when you hear numbers like that. Um, you know, it, it's great. I, I like the morning box score because it really just allows me to like reset, um, and just experience the game through the box score. And when I look at that box score, when I see Jason Tatum with 26 and 12 and four, 11 of 12 from the line, and then Jalen Brown, 26 points, seven rebounds, six of seven from the line. That is 17 of 19 from your two stars from the free throw stripe. And I think that that's a recipe for success for the Celtics. We've talked about that for a while as Jason Tatum getting to the line, Jalen Brown just attacking downhill. And even when they don't have the most efficient shooting nights, Jason Tatum, six for 16, 37 percent from the field. JB nine for 21, 42 percent from the field. Um, they were five for sixteen from three for ba- basically thirty three percent, just under thirty three percent. But when you get to the free throw line like that, when you play with the level of force that they played with—not the steel scowls word, but they played with a lot of force last night—it um, it, just—it just speaks uh, volumes for what this team can achieve with these two guys at the head of the snake. Yeah. Are
0: I'm we labeling of- this? Oh, sorry, going
2: to ask: Are we labeling this the Jedi performance?
1: the jedi performance
0: tell me a little bit more about why about the jedi performance they used a lot of force that was literally
1: (laughs) well another movie reference this is something that i I put out there last night i want to start calling the celtics defense the green mile you ever seen the green mile adam long time ago but yeah dead man walking dead man walking dead man we got a dead man here Uh, because like, (laughs) if you think about what the green mile represents, right, that's like the walk from your cell to the execution as, as a prisoner. So like all the teams that have to walk the green mile, anytime they're playing the Celtics, they're walking to their death, man. That's what's happening when they go up against the Boston Celtics defense, their offense just dies. The moment they get onto the court, they might have that one quarter. It's been the third quarter the last couple of times. We've almost let up 40 points. But in order to beat the Celtics defense, to get off a death row, you have to have somebody have like an out-of-body experience to what Jordan Poole did, right? Jordan Poole had a crazy third quarter, but it wasn't enough. If you only have one guy that's able to crack the code on that defense, everybody else is getting executed.
0: Yeah, I think last night it's just all about that defense. If we want to call it the Green Mile, let's test it out here. Let's, let's see if the reaction we get if we're going to call the Celtics defense degree Mile because I like where your head's at on that because like this is the Golden State Warriors. And I know, like I said, in, in the Morning Box where I mentioned Steph Curry goes out. We can talk about that in a minute. You know, he goes out towards the end of the second quarter. But that first half, the Warriors at basically full strength. I know no Andrew Wiggins, all-star Andrew Wiggins. I'll put some uh, some mild respect on that name. Um, 32 points in the first half. 32 points. You know how... how Often it happens that teams score 32 points in a quarter. Never mind the team of the last, you know, half century to a century who revolutionized basketball with their top guys all playing, scoring 32 points. Century. Century's not the word. Decade was the was the, was the term I was looking for. I saw I saw Adam's head drop to the side, and I was like I was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna get some pushback on the team that's won five. Cha- it's been to five finals in the last seven years, but no, no, no. That's that's a fair point. Centuries centuries a bit much. Centuries a bit much. The last decade, this team revolutionized basketball with the way that they play, and you just held them to 32 points at basically full strength. You know, I have, we can get into the offense a little bit. I think it kind of came and went at different times. I think that's going to be an issue long-term. But this defense is so suffocating. And I felt like in that first half, maybe the Warriors got two to three uncontested shots the entire time. There was a hand in everybody's face, a body in front of everybody. Every time they drove, the Warriors got absolutely nothing easy in that first half. And it's one of the most impressive defensive halves I've ever seen.
2: So if anybody... First of all, I definitely agree they're one of the most uh, dominant teams of the decade. Dominant teams of the century, I'm not going to... Unfortunately, I'll leave you on that island. Um, I'm just being a bit of a,
1: a meanie here. Uh, moving past that bit like for me <laughs> this is this is like w- why some people think you're a bully on twitter man some, sometimes you you know you get you get a little mean streak in you but well, I, he's got he's,
0: he's got that dry british humor you know what he, i mean it's like oh is he, yeah, just it being, is, is he just being a jerk or it's like oh no he's being he's being sarcastic and jolly it's just not coming through it does
2: not translate bro like i'm 90 percent of the time i'm joking with people and so often they take it the wrong way and like my humor is incredibly dry, like here as well. Like a bunch of people are like, "Are you joking? or Are you being serious right now?" And I'm just like, "Look,
0: if I find it funny, I don't really care." So, yeah, I just, yeah, I just I just try to think of you as, uh, and I don't know what his name was in the in the British version, but Ricky Gervais in The Office, where he plays Michael Scott. That's just you. Yeah, that's kind of me. I'm I very very
2: very heavily dislike Ricky Gervais <laughs> but, um, as as a person. Like I have no time for that. I hate the guy. Um, but I can see it like, you know, just dry, blunt humor. So never take me seriously. Usually I'm being jovial. Uh, what I was going to say was somebody that i really do enjoy listening to. And i personally find quite entertaining is Draymond Green. So I went back and listened to his, um, post game press conference this morning. And one of the things he noted about the Celtics defense, and he said it was the reason for the way that the team shot as a whole. Was the Celtics found a way to speed them up early, so they got them playing a little bit rushed early, and then the way Draymond worded it was, "Look, man, once you're sped up, you don't really settle back in, and if a team manages to get you out your rhythm early, get you playing at a quicker pace than what you're trying to play at, those wide open shots don't feel open no more because you feel like somebody's rotating over because you're used to playing that faster um that faster pace. So when when he said that, I was kind of thinking of those rotations, and I was like. I feel like that's part of what the Celtics are trying to do as an identity anyway. Not just close down opportunities, not take away shots, but to really get guys feeling like they have no time. Everything's got to be an instant decision and force those those sinning mistakes.
0: Be be a meanie, you know? The Celtics' defense is the Adam Taylor humor, just mean. (laughs) I just want to make you take as many Kevin Looney jump shots at the end of the quarter as
1: possible.
2: Who said I was a bully on Twitter?
1: (laughs) You can't let it go. (laughs) I've just, I've just seen like when people interact with you, right. They like, they definitely have energy. Like this guy's bullying me and they're, you're not bullying them. I think you're just, you're not one to shy away from conflict. I don't think you're a, a, to be a bully. I think you would have to be the one like starting the conflict. And I don't think you're the one that starts the conflict. I think if someone engages in a war of words, a war of words, that's really hard to say. Um, Then you're, you're just going to fight back, you know, or you're going to, you're going to take some shots back and that's okay. And there's this, God, to, but to speak about the Celtics defense being meanies or being bullies. Yeah. They're, they are a bully in, in some sense because they're the ones that are coming out and hitting you first, you know? And I think if to, to what Draymond said, um, I just think the Celtics defense, when they come out the way that they came out and when Robert Williams is playing in that help side and erasing everything at the rim, I mean, you saw any time they drove to the paint after those first couple of block shots, they were looking over their shoulder. They didn't want to put up anything because Rob's just lurking in the shadows, man. And that that's terrifying. If you if you've ever played against someone who blocks a lot of shots, you very quickly start thinking, I don't want to be the next guy to get swatted off the backboard. And that's what Robert Williams was doing last night. And he only played twenty three minutes. He he had four blocks, but they were the loudest blocks that happened in the game by far.
0: Yeah. And I think something that, you know, you, you watch the Warriors and, and the Warriors play typically a, a really beautiful brand of basketball. They're sharing the ball, they're moving. It's the, the baby basically the opposite of James Harden is, is the way that the Warriors play just constant movement. The ball's flying around. You got people off the ball doing, you know, all different types of movement. And, you know, I was curious to see how the Celtics would, would, would hang with that last night. And if you watch some of them off ball and we've talked about, you know, how their switching scheme, like, how they're just, they're so connected over these last, you know, since since the start of the new year. Like, it—it it, there's not even, you don't even need to talk, just the way they're switching. And you saw all everything that the, the Warriors were doing off ball, Celtics were matching it beat for beat. There was never going to be somebody, for the most part, that's going to get an open look off a curl because there was confusion about who's taking what, who's switching on to who. It's, it's really impressive to see where this team started at and where they're at now to be able to do something like they did last night. I think defensively
2: at the moment. First of all, let's give Rob Williams props. He had six rebounds in the first quarter. He only finished the game with nine. So let's yeah. just give him props for starting hot. And I think the I think for me, all comes down to communication, right? Like, I think the league past um the league past coverage the last few months has been really good at picking up a lot of the stuff that players are saying on the floor. So like, you hear Marcus Smart a lot as well as like like a lot of times, sorry, saying like Jalen, stay high, yo, rotate, sink, get up double hedge like he's really marshalling them and you hear him calling out screens now so you hear someone being like screen left back screen so people know where the offense is and they're trying to set up and it just gives you that extra like half a step half a step i try and americanize my half half um half a step um to try (laughs) and uh, that's great half a step um just to kind of get around people and stay stay connected to you man and for me that was pro- probably one of the biggest problems for Boston um, in the latter months of the Brad Stevens era was it just felt like everybody was playing quiet. You didn't really hear much discussion going on unless they were jawing at each other for making a mistake. Whereas now the communication is really big. And I think that, that goes to what you said. It, there was no easy shots. You're not curling over and just getting into the paint. Somebody's always going to rotate over and be there. And that you don't get that type of cohesiveness without being like a super talkative team.
1: Yeah, and think about, like, what the the Warriors were doing last night. And, like, in the first quarter, right, to to what Draymond was saying earlier, they just were able to get the the Warriors playing a little bit faster, and none of them really wanted to get into the paint. Like, think of Klay Thompson. How many shots did Clay Thompson take from three point last night? I think 11. one was 11. One of 11. You never felt like Clay was even trying to get into the teeth of the defense. I think the only guy that was able to crack that initial, um, initial layer of the defense was Jordan Poole, right? And Jordan Poole's not quite enough of a playmaker to really cause too much havoc once he gets into the middle of the paint, right? Clay was doing everything from the outside. And once you've sped up a shooter like that, yeah, I mean, I think what Will was saying earlier, the, that the, I almost called them the Red Sox because Red Sox are my brain lately. The Celtics are just like, they're able to stay with shooters, but even when they get lost, like Jalen, he got lost a few times on Clay last night, but Clay, by the third quarter he was just completely out of rhythm and nothing was going down for him last night even if he was open. So the fact that they were able to start the game so connected by the third quarter Jordan Poole was the only one that had a hope of, of making a shot and everybody else was just bricking, bricking, bricking. And Clay, Clay, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought about Clay last night, but he looked gonna ask this. he looked very very slow and I would be a little bit worried if I was a Warriors fan cuz he did not look like the Clay Thompson I remember.
0: See, I, I mean, I, I think by the end, I definitely agree with you. I thought at the beginning, I thought he played, I thought he was playing some better defense. I've watched a couple, I've turned into a couple Warriors games since he's come back just because I love Clay. Like the Warriors are probably, you know, my second favorite team to watch outside of the Celtics just because of the way they play, the Splash Bros. And now they have essentially a third Splash Bro in Jordan Poole. Like I was really curious to see how that all kind of mixes together. I thought, I thought Clay started off looking okay. And then towards the end, I definitely feel like everything you just said, I would, I would second that. And, you know, he got a couple of looks that, you know, in the second half where it felt like, oh, those are clay looks that he can hit, but he just either didn't have the legs, didn't have the confidence. I don't know. There was, there was something off. So as, as it got later into the game, it didn't feel like clay. I thought at the beginning of the game, it felt a little bit like, okay, this is kind of the clay I remember. But yeah, it was, it was, it was very interesting to watch, you know, him from start to finish and see how his body kind of didn't necessarily hold up all the way through the game. So he's not clay okay? Not right now. I don't think so. He did have 38 earlier in the week. So I mean he he had his first moment of, you know, kind of making a comeback. But you saw you saw the picture of him at the end of the game, right? Where he's just sitting there and clearly he was very frustrated by that game last night. So, you know, that that's probably a little bit of him still getting his body back to where he yeah. needs to be, but also a big shout out to the Celtics defense.
2: I think a lot of it comes down to just reps now for Clay. You know, at the end of the day, the dudes came back after like what was it, two years away. Basically, two and a half years. Yeah, like 10, 15. I don't know how many games he's played at this point, probably like 10, 15 games at most. Sometimes. Like, that's not enough. Like, not even enough to get your, your conditioning right, your basketball legs underneath you. Like, you hear players say all the time, you can practice and train as much as you want. But at the end of the day, nothing's going to prepare you the same as being in the game and actually participating. So I think a lot of it came, and that's probably why he started off a little bit hotter. Obviously, for me for me, one of the biggest things you look for with Clay is that burst off a screen so he can just get the open look. he didn't really see that that quick first step so he can beat that close out but again, like you need to rebuild that explosiveness you need to rebuild those reps and if your body isn't the same, you need to go to Zach Levine route and just alter your game to fit the way your body is now, and that's not gonna happen this season. I don't think I think that's gonna be this year is the tune up year. Spend the off-season figuring out, am I the same player? Am I not the same guy? Do I need to make an alteration? And then come back next year with
0: your big three and really do whatever type of damage you can do. But
2: these guys are all getting older right now.
0: You know what I mean? Right. That's why it's, I think it's kind of fascinating to watching Jordan Poole last night in the third quarter, I know, you know, I'm not sure where you stand on Jordan Poole, you know, coming into the year, but I know Greg and I have been on Jordan Poole train since probably beginning of last year, just with him being like, a, you know, an exciting prospect. And so I think what they do with him in the offseason, whether they pay him or not, you know, do they trade him to try and capitalize on, you know, the, what they have left with Draymond, Clay, Steph, like, I think that's all going to be fascinating. But I I do want to go back to the Celtics for a second here. Can we talk about Marcus Smart for a little bit? I feel like last night had Marcus Smart just written all over it. You know, he shot the ball well, which anytime Marcus shoots the ball well, this team's going to be, you know, that much better for it, you know, just because it's, it's so important with, you know, with the shooters or lack thereof that we have around. So if you're going to get a four for seven, eight for 12 from the field Marcus smart game, you better capitalize. And, and obviously this team did, but probably the bigger thing is other than the 20 points, eight assists and zero turnovers, like, you know, and then his defense was obviously awesome. We can talk about the quote unquote incident, which I don't really think was much of it, but I thought last night was just an all around awesome Marcus game.
1: Yeah, I don't think the incident was was a dirty play by any means. And the incident we're referring to is when he dove for the ball and landed on Steph Curry's foot. I think what I take away from that is how the Warriors reacted in that situation, because you could tell. Yeah, they, they are upset because their best player got hurt, but like they got irrationally mad at that. Like th- we were in their heads at that point, And that was all Marcus smart from the beginning of the game. So the, the way that the Warriors reacted and then, you know, he lands on Seth Curry's foot. Um, he gets two loose balls in that moment. And then Tatum fumbles it twice There were a lot of fumbled balls last night, by the way. And then, you know, he runs back on defense and like high kicks clay in the face <laughs> as he's contesting the shot. Like that was such a Marcus play and. Like, this is what I love about Marcus Martin. This is why I didn't want to trade Marcus Smart. You need somebody that other teams don't want to go up against. And Marcus Smart is that guy. Yeah, Marcus Smart is a bully. And if you punch the bully in the mouth early in the game, then sometimes you can get in his head and get him out of his rhythm. But more often than, than not, Marcus is going to be the guy to get the other player out of their rhythm. And when you're going up against uh, a more finesse player like a Steph Curry, and, you know, like a Trey Young, if we were to see them in the playoffs, um, like a Kyrie, if we were to see him in the playoffs, even though Kyrie is a little bit of a different player than those guys, um, you need Marcus, man. And, and Marcus last night, as Will said, this was the Marcus Smart game. And I, I love what I'm seeing out of him because the eight assists, no turnovers, that's a whole nother conversation, too. But the defense, the tone that he said on defense was great last night.
2: We keep using the word bully, and every time we do, I feel more and more guilty for my Twitter interactions. <laughs> so we, need, we need a different word. It just means you're um, a part of the
0: Celtics. That's all. That's all it means, Adam.
2: I don't know. I'm feeling down, man. Jokes yeah. aside, now I think you played well. Um,
0: do you ever see the movie Ong No. I mean, I'm not even sure what you said, to be honest. Ong <laughs> <laughs> Back.
2: O-N-G Ong.
0: no okay it's
2: like it's like it's a toy movie it's like a martial arts movie like you know that's like that style but um the dude does a lot of jumping kicks and he he always freeze frames when he's in the air you know those type like major Mm. and uh it looked just like marcus smart and i was gonna quote tweet it earlier and be like marcus smart or um auditioning for i'm back three but um I'm glad I didn't because it seems yeah. like one of the only <laughs> people that ever saw that movie. You need a um, little bit
0: more context, I think.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, but uh, even what you said, that was amazing.
2: Yeah. You really, you threw me, you sped me up, man. You threw me off. So like, did, uh, now, now, feel, at the end of the day, Marcus Smart's out there to prove a point at the moment. Uh, I nearly tweeted this this morning when I was watching the game and I chose against it because I hadn't got to the end of the game at that point. But Marcus Smart has played this season with a chip on his shoulder. He's played this season very much like, Everybody said the the team needed a pass first point guard. No one gave me a chance to be successful. Everybody said this, you know, he kind of came in with this me against the world mentality and he's always had that to an extent. And he's kind of tried to implement that to the team as like one of the locker room leaders, but this felt legitimate. And the way he's playing at the moment, he had that one pocket pass to Jalen on the back cut. And um, it was just a really tight angle. hit it perfectly. As you said, no no turnovers. His three point shot looks quite smooth. He's vastly improved in that area over the last year and a half, two years, year and a half, two years. Um, It's it's, he has improved. So I think that Marcus Smart, the game he had yesterday was just a culmination of everything he's worked on over the last like year, two years, all coming together and kind of just being rolled up into one nicely neat little package as a point guard. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan
1: at the moment. You know what I like about Marcus right now? He's always had a defensive identity, but this is the first year that he's developed that offensive identity. I and mean, when you see him as a point guard, there are certain passes that you know, if, if the, if the defense plays it a certain way, Marcus knows the exact read, specifically that lob pass to Rob, right? Like he, he'll make that two to three times a game if it's there and he can make that pass in his sleep now and that back cut to Jalen, you know, Marcus, his, 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 I won't say his uh, aggressive ball when he drive when he drives to the, the middle of the paint and is able to just like get his body into into defenders and the little like scoop shot off the glass that he has now. He has all these like he has an identity now on the offensive end. And when he's hitting 36 to 38 percent of his three point shots, that's just gravy for this team. Because we need one more guy that is is still reliable from the three-point range. And we've always said Marcus has gravity because he's going to take them. But he's taking smarter shots this mm-hmm. year. But my my main point here, Marcus has an identity now as a point guard. And that's the first time I've seen that.
0: And you guys talked about this during your, your last podcast after the Mavericks game where – you know, like like Jalen as the safety valve when when Tatum was getting blitz, like he's he just doesn't have that 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 playmaking. It's either gonna be head down and score or you know, that that's kind of the option when you know Jalen gets that pass out. But you saw last night, if Marcus is in that spot it's 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 almost game over for the defense with the way that his decision making has been whether he's going to take that four on three and hit Rob with a pass or I'm specifically thinking when there was a play I can't remember what part of the game it was last night. He gets it Jalen cuts from you know from the diagonal slot in the wing hits him for the for the layup right down the middle like Marcus's decision making if that's going to be the safety outlet when tatum gets those double teams that rush at him just above the three-point arc like that's going to be big time trouble for teams and you know we we can keep talking about his development in that area has been and his commitment to it not even just development his commitment to to being that guy for this team is a huge reason that you know they've been as successful as they have been in this last run the other thing is
2: as well the two players we've all mentioned had Jalen
0: brown finishing the play
2: And, you know, not initiating a play, not being a secondary. He was playing, he was operating as a play finisher. And it's very indicative that the two most memorable plays we're talking about right now involve Brown in his, in my opinion, best role, you know? So I think Smart sees that as well, you know, sees that you get Jalen Brown cutting off ball and you get him to rock while he's already got some speed built up. It's very, very difficult to stop him. You know what I mean? Teams are really going to have to load up. You're going to have to try and take, draw the charge or you're going to have to give the foul. So not only is Smart, and this is, why I, this is why I think at this point, trading for another point guard, signing another point guard in free agency doesn't make sense because not only has Smart improved in every aspect of his offensive game throughout the year, but he understands the, the, the skill sets of every guy around him because he's been with these dudes for so long. See, so he knows if I get Jalen the ball after he's took three or four steps as an off-ball slasher, he's going to be able to finish that. If I get JT the ball on the perimeter and go set an inverted screen and so he gets the mismatch. Jaylen, um, Jason's going to drain that. So I think that Marcus is um like longevity on this team, coming up with these guys, seeing them come in, develop their games like that. That is um it's a huge plus into what he brings to this team simply because it you hear you hear players all the time and they talk about defense, know your personnel. But for a point guard, that must be like paramount on offense when trying to set your guys up. Don't be throwing Derek White no three point passes. You know what I mean? We gotta talk about that. No, I was trying to uh, segue. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I could feel it. I could feel the segue coming.
0: It was building, right? I think we've we've gotten to know, you know, Adams. Adams the point guard right now. We got to build. it. all right, we see it coming. We got Reg. One of us got to cut off ball. Someone said a screen. We got to cut off ball. Adams gonna hit us with the segue.
2: i gave
1: you the segue yeah no, i mean Derek white man he he's still playing effective basketball but to we we've been talking about this for a while now and by the way i'm trying to to not say the phrase to your point as much because i feel like the more i listen to podcasts just like every podcast out there i feel like i hear the phrase to your point like 15 to 20 times a podcast. So I've made it my mission not to be the to your point guy.
2: It can also be a drinking game for Ime Udoka's press conferences.
1: Yes. He made big on it. It's just just a hot phrase right now. It's a hot phrase right now. (laughs) But with Derek White, um, I kind of forget the point I was making now because I cut myself off. To my point, Derek White is, you know, he's not on the court at the end of games. And we've talked about this a little bit. We were expecting Derek White to be 100% of the time in the closing five just because of what he brings on the defensive end. Peyton Pritchard is starting to get those minutes more over Derek White because of the way that White has just been unable to shoot so far in his, in his tenure in Boston. And when teams are trapping Tatum, in the you get an outlet pass and you're playing advantage ball four on three ball you need shooters you know in shooting spaces and Derek White is unable to do that unless White was the initial screener and he was the person making the play there isn't really room for him on the offensive side of the ball if teams are, are scheming out Tatum like that um, I, I'm more excited about the way Peyton Pritchard has been playing Than like what I've seen out of Derek White, even though Derek White, I think, has done a great job in his role. I just think Pritchard's ability to space the floor and to fight on the defensive end where we can also get teams out of what they want to do because they see little white Peyton Pritchard on the court and they're like, (laughs) let's go at little white Peyton Pritchard and Peyton Pritchard just holds his ground. I mean, they I think they posted up Otto Porter Jr. a few times on him and Pritchard just stonewalled him. He couldn't move him. And that's one thing about Pritchard that I think teams are finding out quickly. He might be little, but he is strong, and he's gonna fight. He's gonna fight, and he's gonna be feisty. So I'm I'm excited. The trade for Derek White was just as much of a trade for Peyton Pritchard. Peyton
0: so point, Pritchard. So to your point, Greg, I was I was really trying to think about this last night with this Derek White Peyton Pritchard combo. And and Adam, I'm not sure if you'll follow along quite as much. I'm going to make a a baseball connection to it. I was kind of thinking Derek White is that guy that comes in and grinds out, you know, seven innings, six to seven innings for you. And it's not necessarily pretty, but he gets you that six or seven innings, eats up some innings, gives you stability. And Peyton Pritchard, I'm not quite there all the way that he's the the closer, but between the two of them, as far as him closing out to give you that shooting and if he's going to be able to hold up on the defensive end, like you don't see Peyton Pritchard. You see Peyton Pritchard a lot more into the third quarter, into the fourth quarter than you ever do before that. So you're seeing Derek White build up that defensive intensity. And, you know, I think last night when I was watching that game, I think the, the Warriors had cut it to about 10. I don't know if they ever got the single digits when Jordan Poole was was getting hot in the third and into the the start of the fourth is, you know, he, he's been really well on defense. You hit all the points, you know, like like Peyton Pritchard is not a pushover. And this is some, part of the reason that I think all three of us earlier in the year were clamoring, like, give Peyton Pritchard a shot. Like, he's, he's not going to be an all defensive guy, but he's also going to fight and he's not going to, you know, there's going to be occasional times where he'll get switched and it's just going to be, it is what it is, but he's going to enhance what you do on that offensive side of the ball. And so having him come in at the end of the game to be that guy that gives that gravity, gives that spacing and can knock down, you know, he was two of six last night, but he had a couple that, that went in and out. Same with the night before. Like, like I trust Peyton Bridget and you know, he's like bone crusher. He ain't never scared. Like, like Peyton Pritchard will come in there and, and he'll shoot that thing right away. He's not going to hesitate. So I think it's really interesting the way that, that we're seeing Derek White and, and, and Peyton Pritchard used. I think it's going to be a little bit more interesting when there's not a 10 point cushion or a little bit more of a cushion. And although we saw that on, you know, against the Mavericks and it almost worked out, the Mavericks pulled out a win and what was a, a really tight game, but I think it's gonna be interesting when we get to the playoffs to see how that split between the two of them works for Ime. So I did cut you up a minute ago.
2: So I want to apologize for that before I go any further. I jumped in and you was about to talk. Um,
0: <laughs> apology, apology, <laughs> apology, accepted. It wasn't needed, wasn't needed, but accepted. Thank
2: you. It was, it wasn't needed. It was because I'd already done it once in the episode. Twice is an insult. Um, I was just saying we should give. We were talking about nicknames earlier for the defense. Why not give Peyton Pritchard three hundred because he's little and he holds his ground. Three hundred the army. hate 300 richard um so we'll try and make that a thing then the next thing (laughs) what's got me is and when we're talking about the point guard position in general like the backup guards so not just point guard shooting guard too we can add that in dennis schroeder obviously gave you a bunch in offense but not much in the way of anything else apart from frustration and sadness (laughs) and then you had Derek White, who's giving you pretty much everything apart from scoring, including the frustration and sadness, because he's not scoring, you know, going over eight is annoying. Um and then you have Peyton Pritchard that's giving you a bit of everything, but no frustration and sadness. So I think that as you said, it's it's interesting seeing the way that MA is building this rotation up to be like Hey, we're gonna have Derek White set the tone. We're gonna to have him play as a connector, and then once we're at a point where we need an extra shooter or closer on the floor, we're gonna give it to Peyton Pritchard. What I've been really impressed with, by with Pritchard is he seems a lot more confident creating for himself off the dribble. You know, he's taking guys on one or two crossovers, taking a step in, hit, putting a step back to create that separation. And if he can do that and start creating for others in a similar manner, then. I don't know how much more Derek White is giving to the team than what Peyton Pritchard is at that point. The only thing is the defense, I get that. But at the moment, like, I'm Derek White, I'm, I'm, very, I'm going to be very patient with Derek White because I think he could be a fantastic fit for this team and whatever everything that's going on at the moment. But at this very moment in time, this very specific, like, where we are and what we've seen so far, I think Peyton Pritchard's far more valuable
1: yeah I mean that's definitely a take man i mean, Pritchard Pr- Pritchard is like man it, to, it was to will's point earlier I, I did it I did it. I couldn't even make it through the rest of the episode to will's point earlier, uh the baseball analogy like Pritchard's definitely got that specialist vibe to him. So a specialist, Adam, right? Guys out of the bullpen, you have these guys that are closers that can come in and just like finish the game no matter who's in there. And sometimes you got a specialist who's in for like a very specific situation. Like if there's a left-handed batter, you might bring in a left-handed pitcher just to like mix it up on them. Like that's kind of how I see Pritchard functioning. It's like in certain games against certain matchups and with, with teams playing our offense a certain way, it makes sense to have Pritchard on the court, and I, I don't think that's a necessarily a knock against Derek White. I think it just speaks to the different skill sets that those two people have, you know. And I, I don't necessarily see Derek White with the frustration and sadness because he, he the minutes that he's filling are minutes that we we were just putting in Romeo Langford before we were putting in um, Josh Richardson before, and although those guys had moments, and I think Richardson played well for us. White is just like a steadying force on both sides of the court. Yeah, he's not hitting his shots right now, but he's not making bad decisions for the most part. He's not turning the ball over. He's still allowing our defense to get set by making the right play and playing low turnover basketball. And that's kind of what I like about Derek White is he's just not going to make too many mistakes. As Will was saying earlier, he's the he's the baseball guy, right, who's going to come in. Your starter doesn't do a great job. He maybe only goes four innings. So Derek White comes in and pitches. You know, he might let up two runs over the next three to four innings, but he, and he, he doesn't strike out a lot of people, but he he just gets the outs, and that's kind of what Derek White is doing. He's getting those outs, and hopefully, eventually, he will be the shooter that Brad Stevens thought he was going to be when he got him, and he said, oh, if you look at his numbers when he's wide open, he's actually a much better shooter. I was, after the first game, I was like, oh my God, Derek White, I can't, he he's going to be like a Steph Curry. Like, look at the way he's shooting the ball, and then after that first game, like, I don't know that's what's going on.
0: Yeah, that's a, yeah take, that's, a, right? that's a real take.
1: That's a real take. But his shot just like right now, it just it seems in like his head. It's, it's he's in his head. And just like Jalen Brown, in my opinion, is still in his head with his shot because some of those three pointers from him. last I, summer, I thought Jalen played great overall, but I'm a little bit concerned about that three point shot, especially when you look across the league and you see a guy like Russell Westbrook, who just like early in his career, man, he was a knockdown free throw shooter. He was, He could shoot the ball. Like on a pull up jumper. Now he literally cannot shoot. He can't shoot at all from any spot on the court. So like guys that weren't great shooters in college figure out a way to shoot in the NBA. Some of those guys can lose it. And like, I'm not saying JB's even close to that point, but JB was not a good shooter coming out of college. And there there is a world in which this is like the beginning of a trend in which we're like, why isn't Jalen Brown hitting threes like he used to hit threes?
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit concerning. I know you guys got into some of JB's struggles last last episode, so I don't want to rehash that whole thing. Because I thought last night it started off a little bit rocky for him, especially in that first quarter, and then he really turned it around. I think overall had a really nice night. So I don't want to want to harp on it too much. But to your point, there were a few of those shots T- where even even uh, <laughs> there we go, I did it again. See now it's now it's in my head. There's a word for that. Where now it's just I'm going I'm doing it because you put it out there, and so it's all I can think about. But. Anyways, uh, even even the commentators mentioned that wasn't even there was one shot where he was wide open, and uh, you know, I was watching the ESPN broadcast, and I think it was Mark Jones. He was just like, that wasn't even close, you know, and he, it's it's either completely off the backboard or very off the the far side of the rim. So definitely something to to keep an eye on. And you know, we've mentioned this so many times throughout the season, and this is my fear kind of with the ceiling of this team. Is when you get into these playoff matchups and you're gonna have other really good defenses. You're going up against, like we saw with the Mavericks, even though they're not in the East, but when you're going up against the Heat or the Bucks at full strength or, you know, one of these other teams, the Cavaliers even, who I've who I've even said I think the Celtics, that's the only team I feel confident they will beat in a playoff series, is the Cavaliers. That's the only team, so right now that I feel 100% confident. I think others they they can definitely win, but that's the only one I would I would put a guarantee on. But I still think it's going to be a struggle because their defense is really good, and it's going to come down to can you make some shots? Can your can the other guys make some shots? Marcus Smart made them last night. You know, Al Horford has had a really good stretch of making them. Derek White, not so much right now. Jalen Brown, not so much right now. Grant maybe starting to turn it around from from that little little funk that he's on, but that's it's going to be make or miss with some of those role guys, and that's the part for me that I think when we have these longer droughts or cold stretches in games, that it's going to come back to bite you in a series, and that's the part that keeps me a little bit tentative from fully putting the hammer down that I think this team is an, an NBA Finals type team because their defense is that caliber. I just have concerns of the offense, and it, and it all dates back to, to that shooting and who's going to hit shots and who's not going to hit shots. Judging
2: by Nick, how Nick Stauskas hit his first free. I, I think that Nick Stauskas needs to be the number one option when, Jay, when Jason Stauskas and Hauser, floor, just man. saying, two combined
0: last night. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe more run. I don't know.
2: I'm just saying, Like, and I know that, like, you know, I've, I've just said that I think Pritchard is more valuable than Derek White right now. And in a way, I genuinely believe what I'm saying there. I think that for a team, and it's not because Derek White's not. Derek White is the better player. He's the all-round better player. He's the all-round better fit. He's the connector. But right now, no one's hitting shots. Peyton Pritchard is hitting shots. So Peyton Pritchard needs more run, especially. I'd, I'd like him in a little bit more in early in the game as well, just to try and help build that space and build that feel. And maybe he's not going to be there later in the game. Maybe he'll, you know he'll be a specialist then but just start developing a feel for how to create space around each other and start having an extra guy that can hit those shots and if we are talking about like you know jayden brown's not shooting one at the moment if that doesn't come back this year if that's just going to be a prolonged thing that he needs to go away and work on in the off season then maybe you do need to give stauskas a closer look or maybe sam hauser gets a few extra opportunities not much i'm talking like five six minutes a game just to give you you know, Payton Pritchard comes out. You put one of these other shooters in at a different position, just to keep that spacing available, because that's how you're going to get the best out of Jalen Brown when he can't score. If he can't hit jump shots, you need to give him the space to be able to drive to the rim. And if you're just putting Derek White out there, that people, if he plays like this much longer, people are going to start sagging off a little bit, going under screens on him and stuff. You're taking away that spacing to get the best out of someone like Jalen Brown.
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with your reasoning. I just think realistically with 12 games to go and the way we've seen Eme coach, it's not gonna yeah, that's that's kind of the that, that was the face I made. Mean, it's just I just I think the way we've seen Eme coach over the last two months or you know, whatever it is, two and a half months, twelve games left. It, I, I just don't think that's gonna happen. But I think, you know, earlier in the season when we talk about experimenting, which was which was the time to do it, you know, that that makes a ton of sense. I just I'm just not sure it's gonna happen now.
1: Do you guys do this when you're watching games? Like there, there, there'll there be times where I'm watching games and I, I like always just compare Celtics players to, to like stars, right? So like Jason Tatum, the guy I most often compare him to, or I'm like, ooh, that looked a little bit like Kevin Durant. You know, like, so do you guys do this during games?
2: I'm usually focused on the, like the, the what got to the shot. Like I'm more interested in what happened before the shot than the actual shot.
1: Okay, I, yeah. I feel, I feel at, t-
0: at, at times, I do. I mean, I even tweeted out. You know, I think it was—I can't remember which which game it was. Maybe it was the Hornets recently, where like KD had that like Hezy Jimbo, and, I, and that's all I could think about was like that looked like Kevin Durant. That looked like a Kevin Durant, you know, imitation. Yeah, that you even—I so definitely had, do it.
1: You even just said KD had the Hezy Jimbo. Yeah, JT had that Hezy Jimbo, right? Mm-hmm. But last night, I think Jalen Brown. For me, this is something that I do. That's why I bring it up. Jalen Brown. This is the first time I was like, ooh, JB, like. Playing a little bit like D Wade lately, you know that that jumper from from distance isn't there, but he's getting a lot smarter with his cuts, the forty five degree cuts, and his ability, as Adam always says, his play finishing. He reminded me a lot of D Wade and his ability to just like knife into the defense and finish. He even had a, a little D Wade floater. He had that like little euro step and he jumped off his right. I'm um, jumped off his left and finish like a fading uh, floater with his right hand in the lane. And I was like, you know what? If Jalen Brown starts leaning in a little bit more to like a D-Wade mentality and Jason Tatum starts leaning in a little bit more to a Kevin Durant mentality, I would have always loved to see KD and D-Wade play together. That would have been pretty sweet. That's that- all I got for you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you want to Do you want to respond? Yeah, no, Adam, you have the floor. Go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> I was just going to be like a- – like, I've not, like I do that sometimes. I'm not going to lie and be like, "Oh, I never look for similarities between guys," because I think Tatum is closer to. If you had to choose a player whose style Tatum was closest to, it's kind of KD anyway, just because the the aesthetic of the shooting motion, um, the, the, the calmness of which he plays. Apart from when he feels like he got fouled, at which point Tatum's not calm at all. Um, but then he calms down quite quickly. Um, so I can see that. I like the Dwayne Wade, uh, like young Dwayne Wade, right? We're talking like just be- like prime, just before prime Dwayne Wade for Jalen Brown. That's the yeah. type of the explosive, quick, rapid, get to the rim. Yeah. I like that. I, I can go with that. I- I'm not upset with that at all. The question is, if you were doing that, who would you
1: have Robert Williams as? And Clint Ooh. Capella is
0: not an allowed option. Yeah, see that that's always my default is that he's kind of a, a Clint Capella type. He's
1: better than Clint Capella. Let's just get that out there. Robert Williams is better than Clint Capella. That's a type. Clint Capella's pretty good.
0: I mean, I, I think they're I think they're I think they're Robert. closer to being equal than I would say either one is better than the other, but
1: Clint Clint is a better one-on-one post defender than Rob. I think that's the only place in which Clint Capella is now better than Robert Williams. I think Robert Williams has surpassed Clint Capella, and now we can compare other people. Coming up to Robert Williams rather than compare Robert Williams to Clint Capella. So I,
2: that, think, that, I think Capella's right. still a better uh, transition defender as well.
1: Who's a more impactful player?
2: That's different because we, Rob's got a more, a more versatile game. Clint Capella is very much rebound and rim run. Rob is rebound, rim run, and he can facilitate as well. So then you have to say that Rob's more impactful because he has that extra avenue that you can utilize from him than what you could with Capella. You had a mid-range game into Rob Williams. All of a sudden, Rob Williams was less Clint Capella so far behind. He's like you need a microscope to find him. Like, but right, honestly, seriously, I believe that you give Rob Williams that mid-range shot and he he goes up a couple of tiers. Um, but right now, yeah, I think I think that could work. I think if it's not Clint Capella, though, who is it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I was, the, this what what was a dude's name? He, he he wasn't uh he wasn't in the league for long, um, but Rob always kind of yeah. But he, he Rob like his defensive IQ reminds me of this dude. He I think he was on was he on the Bucks. He was out of the league like quickly because of like mental health issues. I'm just drawing a blank on his name right now. Super oh, springy dude, Larry, Larry, Larry Sanders. Yeah, Larry Sanders. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he he kind of always reminded me of like Larry Sanders the way that Larry Sanders used to get off the oh, floor.
0: He had that freakish athleticism too. Where you're right, he had that quick se- that quick initial jump and that quick second jump, and that's one of the things for Rob where you know Rob jumps so quickly that you think he's out of position, then he gets back into the play and either contests or blocks your shot, and it's it's really impressive the way he does it. And yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the last thing I don't think is that that bad of one. I, ha- I haven't thought about him in so long that I, I'm having a hard time saying I 100% agree. But initially, I kind of like that take.
1: I would have, have
0: to think about it a little bit, a little bit more. Um, but before we got here, one thing I do want to mention: Celtics are in fourth place right now, sole possession. They have a home series as of right now. Now, obviously, the East is super close, but I think that's a pretty huge, uh, monumental, you know, point of the season for this team that they're now a home playoff team in the Eastern conference. So it's been a long journey since we were worried about the play in to now. And now we have a home playoff series.
2: And if I remember correctly, a lot of us predicted the Celtics to finish fourth this year.
0: I think, I think Greg and I picked fifth this year as well. We both came we were out there, with.
2: there a bit. I, I remember saying fourth, I think I've got it in writing somewhere as well. So I'm, I'm going to take my flowers right now, assuming that that's where they stand. <laughs> 12 games left and a half game lead. Yeah, there's nothing that could change. Yeah, <laughs> it's, done, it's done. Dude, we're ending the league today. Bucket. Last question I've got is, how badly would you like the Celtics to add Vitor Favorani for the remainder of the season just to shore up the feel-good vibes? <laughs>
1: Um, I, I got nothing for you on V Uh, I, if, if anybody, I would want Gershon. If we're going to bring anybody back, I want Gershon. You want uh, the dancing bear? I want the dancing bear. I just, I just always liked the dancing bear. I thought, I thought he had a lot of potential there. No, but with the Celtics 12 games left, we're eight games away, right? From 50 wins. How crazy is that? I would be now surprised if the Celtics didn't get 50 wins. If we don't go eight and four down the stretch, I think I would actually be pretty shocked if we don't end up with 50 wins. But uh, another question I'm thinking about is, do I even want to get beyond the four seed? I think I'm pretty happy staying in the four seed and potentially avoiding a matchup with the Raptors that look like they're going to take over that six seed the way that they're trending up and the Cavs are trending down. And Brooklyn, right, if the Cavs end up in the seven seed, kyrie now gets to play in the playing game so brooklyn against cleveland in cleveland kyrie now gets to play i'm imagining brooklyn gets that seven seed i don't want the two seed now right so if toronto takes that six seed i think brooklyn gets the seven seed and i'm very happy staying in this four or five matchup
2: yeah four or five makes sense to me at that point
0: yeah i think i think that's the that's a great way to look at it because you're right if if Cleveland ends up in there. That's the Kyrie wrinkle to this whole thing is, is so insane at this point. Like it's, it's so weird to try and figure out each scenario. And then wait, is that where Kyrie can play? Can he play here? He can't play here. And, you know, and, and oddly enough, if, if nothing changes with those mandates, like in a way, Brooklyn benefits being in the play-in because they're going to be on the road for every series. And so they get Kyrie for an additional game for each of those, those series. And with that type of team, I don't think they, they care at all if they're on the road or, or they're at home so I, I think yeah the way it's looking right now I feel pretty good about that that Bulls matchup if that was the four or five which which based on some of the scenarios that are available right now and there's a lot that can change whether we're home or away that looks like it could be the most likely scenario and I feel pretty good about that to be honest I know the Bulls have had a great season but I feel pretty good about the Celtics in that matchup I'll tell you what if the Knicks had had a good year this year and like
2: built on what they did last year, and then they landed the Nets in the playoffs this year, the media would have blew up because that would have been no Kyrie for an entire yeah. series. <laughs> you know what I mean? That'd have been hilarious. He just would have that been would, courtside at every game. Every game, get <laughs> getting get, get the Nets fine fifty k every game, going into the locker room afterwards. But man, like, part of me like really wishes that there was a way that the ne- the Knicks could surge enough to to land that that game.
1: I thought about that as well, but it's it's just not it's possible. Yeah, yeah, it's not they, possible. They, they yeah, they're pretty court. they're
2: pretty far back right I now. like my I like my uh my what what would it be? Unachievable hypotheticals. <laughs> they're the ones that you can. They're the ones that you can really go wild with.
1: Adam, we should do a whole pod uh, maybe in the off season about that's just titled Unachievable Hypotheticals. I'm, I'm super down for that.
2: Oh, that that yeah, sounds uh, like fun. To be honest, I'm in with that. I'm always down for fun stuff like that. Right, everybody, if you've been listening to this show on the Celtics pod feed, then make, or if well, it do not matter, actually, on either feed, make sure you scroll down, find those five-star buttons, hit the fifth star, not the third, not the first, because that's bad. We want the five. Hit the five. Write something nice. Adam, Will, Greg a great. Adam is not a bully on Twitter. We don't know what <laughs> <laughs> what Greg is talking about.
1: Um, Wait, Adam. Adam, since this is a crossover episode, Adam Taylor is now going to tell you If you, uh, (laughs) you Uh, where, where can, can the people, how can the people help us if they can't write a review?
2: So if you've already left a review, if you've already clicked, like, if you've already done everything you possibly can to make the algorithms love the show more. And if you, or you might just not like leaving reviews, you might be like, Hey, I like the show. I only leave reviews when I'm sad. That's cool. What you can do first of all share it on social media on twitter facebook instagram reddit tell everybody about how awesome this show is how much you love it tag us so we can see we can share it people are going to listen more when you're the one saying it than us we created the content so they're gonna be like you're meant to think it's ace if you're telling people it's ace then you never know also make sure you go to the mall do you know what dm us we'll get you some flyers some business cards all for the show go to the mall post them up for us when you're getting your suit fitted for whatever reason you need a suit make sure you make your tailor's telling you about you're telling your tailor why you love these shows ask him to put it on in the in the store if you work at footlocker you should be playing this at the speakers we're you know pg-13 we don't swear we don't curse children can walk in and out the store and it's fine if you're working in so that's in lucker, same as if you're in dick Sporting Goods. Give me some other, other sports shops out there. Guys. No, this, this, this
0: is your guerrilla marketing campaign. You, I you, don't know. you go for it.
2: <laughs> if you work in an airport, make sure that's your airport waiting music. If you're working in a call center, it should be your hold like tunes. Make sure that everybody everywhere knows about the show. And by doing so, we can grow and eventually give you even more content. I think I've done a very good job there.
0: That was well done. Why have we been wasting our breath doing it? You just you just nailed it on that first track. We're, we're we're kicking it back to you moving forward here. The bully is about to on? get bullied. Well I'm that not a
2: bully. <laughs> <laughs> what else can they do? Uh I'm just trying to think. If you fly a plane that does skywriting, you could skywrite listen to the and then the podcast name in skywriting so hundreds of thousands of people could see it. If you're a
1: flight attendant and you're making your announcements, let, let the people know, you know, if they're, if they're looking for something to do during, during their flight, they can always put on, uh, Celtics pod or the 617, the green with MB guys presented by Crowworthy. Uh, Yeah, there's, this is good, man. Maybe we should, it should now just be we, spitball back and forth all the different places versus And we never
2: know there could be influencers listening to this show, you know there could be somebody that's got ten million followers somewhere and all they need to do is give us a little bit of a freebie and be like, yo, I listen to this show a bunch. These guys deserve some love. Maybe you're on TikTok. Do you know what? Why aren't people doing TikTok trends to our podcasts? Why well, has it always gotta be music? It could be us.
1: Well there there's could. always at least one uh you know one quotable moment. Like I think for this one the the audio they could rip is I'm not a bully. <laughs> <laughs> or they could rip that accent too
2: <laughs> yeah your accent was worse than mine <laughs> Look, you sounded like um do you have have you ever watched last kingdom i Netflix? have not no no, no. no do, man you know. need you need to watch that man it's really good i started watching it not long after game of thrones has ended the six seasons okay. so i'm on the sixth one but you just sounded like the main character from that <laughs> so uh good job sounds, actually, sounds like, to be fair i was
0: gonna say sounds like he's a bad accent
2: but <laughs> yeah he does have, he you can tell he's faking the accent too, yeah. you know what i mean like uh but no i am not a bully and that's another thing as well let's get that t- trending hashtag adam taylor is not a bully i want that trending like <laughs> today please because i feel like i'm being victimized here Maybe yeah, this I'm is, the, this is the
0: world's longest sign
2: off of all
1: time. <laughs> I, mean, I think funny. I think we forgot we were ending the podcast.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes it's good to give people a behind the curtain because this conversation is going to continue when I press stop. <laughs> so,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I always appreciate
0: whoever makes it to the actual end of the episode is not like, oh, okay, these guys are wrapping up. You know, sometimes people just duck out. It's like, look at this, they just oh, missed like four you, minutes of content, right?
1: You here know what we should do? Lost. You know what we should In your victory,
0: if you're still listening.
1: Just like we like in Marvel movies at the end when they do like the post credit scene, we should have like some sort of trivia for like this moment of the pod where like certain people that make it to this point, we give them something that only they would listen to and we like have some sort of like narrative where we give them like a code word at the end of each podcast and then they get some sort of prize or something like that.
2: Yeah, but that like prize prizes like, like we need to be bigger for that. Like people need to. Do yeah, maybe, we can, this
0: listed. maybe we can give him one of, those, one of those flyers that Adam was talking about that we had. Yeah, I'm those serious flyers about that, and business like,
2: cards. <laughs> Yeah, I'm serious about that. People should be like, oh, we'll pay for them. We'll have them shipped to you. You just hand them out. Well, it's no pyramid scheme. There's no money to be made. We're just asking for help. You know <laughs> what I mean? We need your help. All right, then, everybody, we'll leave you to it. Apparently, uh we signed off five minutes ago and then just continued. So everybody have a good day, stay safe, don't do anything we wouldn't do. And remember, Adam Taylor is not a bullet. Peace.
1: I've been impressed with the